go live yet. Or I'll Says we're live. I'm checking YouTube real quick to make sure. Yep. All right, we're live. Alrighty then. How's it going, everybody? Talking to you, Sawyer. Oh, hello. It's going good, Riley. How are you? I'm good. All right. So, do you want to get started with the podcast? Well, that's kind of what we're here for. That's what we're here for, so why not? I didn't know. So, I had someone ask this uh, anonymously of where to begin, and so I guess we'll start for that one. So, you can start us off. All right, so I was not entirely sure what they meant by the question, where to begin, so I just wrote down three things that, like, once you're saved, the Bible tells us to do. And, well, the first one I'd written down was simply just attending church which we'll be dealing with later in the episode. We talk about that more. And then the one I had is actually, um, where did I put that? Oh, but it's prayer. And um, so real quick, turn over here. Um, so when talking about prayer, generally um, a lot of the same passages are used. And so at least in my experience, one of those is Second Thessalonians. That's not right. First uh, Thessalonians 5.17, which says, pray without ceasing. And another one, another good verse on the subject of prayer is Ephesians 6.8. And that says, knowing that whatsoever good, wait, that's not right. Well, never mind about that one. Come on, so um, you just study it today. I know. Oh, wait, 618. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So basically, there's those two verses alone. There's many other verses that obviously refer to prayer and say to pray, but those two verses are ones that like very clearly say essentially just to pray and because prayer is an important part of a Christian's walk with God. Um, the other one I had, the, others, the third subject I had on where to begin was reading your Bible, because the Bible is the tool God uses to teach us how to live and what he would have us to do. And so it's very important as Christians that we study his word and that we read his word. Second Timothy 2.15 says, um, study to show thyself proven to God, a workman that he is not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so he says to need to study to show thyself proven unto God, a workman that he is not to be ashamed. And so we need to study God's word. And then he says later in the same book in 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so he says in chapter 2 that we need to study. And in chapter 3, he says why. He says because all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture comes from God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. And so we need to do that. And so after... 
becoming a Christian, I would say where to begin. The first three things I would say to do would probably be to develop a prayer life, to study your Bible, and to attend church. Yeah. Uh, I went more of the how you did your third subject, reading your Bible route, because I thought that's what they might be meaning. Uh, of, yeah, that could yeah. where to begin to have a couple different. So I figured like the first thing you do is set up a Bible study time, whether it's uh, for that, uh, you can you can do the year plan, which I've seen is five pages a day, or uh, for. Uh, reading the Bible in a year, or you can do like 15 minutes a day or something, just set some time aside to read the Bible. Now, where to start reading in the Bible if you don't want to go that route, uh, and just want to read through books and whatnot, uh, John is the easiest and kind of tells you why uh, we do some of the things we do. And uh, the Gospels are just... the probably one of the best places to start in general but uh and then you get like mark who highlights the death burial and resurrection and whatnot you could also go through just read the bible through front to back genesis the first book start of time and then uh the epistles they have a lot to teach there too because that's the uh letters that uh i wrote john i think it's paul wrote to the church The main thing is to set set some time aside uh, and then pick a place, make sure you have everything you want with you, highlighters, pen, journal, whatever, and do your Bible study. Yeah. Yes, like I said, that reading the Bible is a very important part of a Christian's walk with God. All right. Okay. What is our next subject? Uh, that would be, why do we go to church? Why do you go to church? right you get to go first this time all right uh so for one start off god commands us to go to church exodus 28 to 11 uh where is it remember the sabbath day hold on ah I guess it... all right don't worry no more issues Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord thy God, and it shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy man servant. And it goes on and on. But you uh, go to church because God just flat out commands us. It is also, some people say they don't go to church because they're hypocrites there. But church is m more like a hospital where you don't go, not go to a hospital because they've got a bunch of sick people. They go there to get better. And so you go to church to become a better person and become more like God and that. Yeah. Okay. So I had a couple verses written down here that I'd found. Um, let's see. First Timothy 4. 13 says, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and doctrine. And he says to give attendance. And then in the letter to the Ephesians, um, chapter 4, this is actually a big chunk, 11 through 16, he says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up unto him all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, make it increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. And so you'll see in verse 12 that he, or 11 and 12, that he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, and you'll see evangelists, pastors, and teachers listed there. And evangelists, pastors, and teachers primarily do their preaching and their teaching at churches on like Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. Um, that's just church services are generally when they do their teaching. And the Bible says that that is for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so he's saying here that these preachers and these teachers and these evangelists, that their job is to edify the body of Christ. And as Christians, we are the body of Christ. And how can the, these pe people, these preachers and teachers and evangelists edify the body of Christ if the body of Christ isn't there to be edified? Mm-hmm. The last verse I had was 1 Timothy 3, 15 and 16, say, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manified, man, sorry, manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. In verse 15, he calls the church, he calls the church, the church of the living God. And he also calls it the house of God. And when God is gracious enough to send his son to earth to die for us so that we might be saved, doesn't it seem only fitting that we would be willing to spend just a short period of our week in his house, worshiping him and praising him and learning about him? I mean, think of it this way. He, he created us and he created the world that we live in and he gave us the opportunity to even get saved. And so it would be, um, what's the word? Hmm. Never mind. Basically, it wouldn't it wouldn't be right of us to then look at the God that was willing to do everything for us and tell him that he's not worth just this little tiny piece of our time. Yeah. And that is all I had on that subject. Uh, Did you I, have any? I had one more verse, uh, Hebrews three thirteen, but exhort another uh, one another daily. Well, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. Because most likely, if you're not going to church, you will fall into sin a whole lot more often. So you want to encourage uh, not only yourself, but others to go to church. Yeah. Let's see. And yeah, Matthew ten sixteen says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That was when, when Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending out his apostles and he tells them that he's sending them forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. And as Christians in a lost world, we are essentially sheep in, a, in the midst of world, in the midst of wolves. He says later that ye shall be hated by all men for my name's sake. And so because of that, it is um, wise, wisest for Christians to go to church because Church is where you are lifted up by a pastor or a preacher, and that's where you learn how to do what God would want you to do. That's where you're taught from the Bible what the Bible says. Yeah. That is, that's all I got now. All right.
that's all I have too. So we can move on to the next one. What is heaven? Well, that's what is hell last time, so I figured we'd do what is heaven this time. Yeah. There's actually heaven is actually mentioned a lot in the Bible if you just you know look. Mm -hmm. Um, for I mean, like in Ephesians five five, it is called the kingdom of Christ and of God. It's called the Father's house in John fourteen two, a heavenly country in Hebrews eleven sixteen. It's called a rest in Hebrews four four. Uh, there's many, many, many other places, but I mean, just from those, you can see that heaven is called many different things, and they're all good. Yeah. Um, Jesus talked about heaven quite a bit, including, I mean, Max, Matthew 6, verse 20, I believe, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so we know that heaven is a real place because Jesus talked about it like it was a real place. Mm -hmm. And we know that Jesus didn't lie and Jesus wasn't wrong because he was a perfect man. And so we can know that heaven is, in fact, a real place. And we can know from multi many, many other passages that it would be a, a, like a place of ultimate rest, as it says in Hebrews 4, 9, when it calls it a rest. Yeah, John uh, 14, 2 and 3 say, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go... And prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you unto myself that where i am there may ye be also yeah i've also got a few in revelation wrote down let me yeah revelation does talk about having quite a bit yeah Revelation 7, 9, and 10. Uh, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds of peoples and tongues, stood before the throne, before the Lamb of God, clothed in white robes, palms in their hands, and cried in a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne unto the Lamb. So there will be... Uh, it seems from Revelation, because I've got two other verses written down here, uh, or three. Revelation 21, 21, and 23 through 25, as well as Revelation 22, 2, that there will be, that we will praise God a lot, because that is what we are called to do. Yeah. And I actually have a verse in Revelation. Revelation fourteen thirteen says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. And um, then it says, From henceforth, yea, save the spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. And so heaven is going to be such an amazing place, a place of such um, splendor that human words can't comprehend. But 13 actually says that um, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Because being in heaven is ultimately is greater than being on earth because you get to be with your God. You get to be with your savior. Uh, as the verses that I mentioned with revelation, like the revelation 21, 21 and all that, uh, it more describes heaven physically where there's like the streets will maybe be made out of gold. The gates will be pearl gates and different gems and whatnot. And a lot of people, uh, think that, it, they could just be wealthy like that, but if it's that common, 
you there's no wealth and if you're in heaven in the first place you will not care for wealth really yeah there will be no need for it in my opinion but yeah the bible says for the love of money is the root of all evil yeah is that all you got because that's all i got that's all i have on heaven well yeah no. there's obviously a lot more that can be said mm -hmm. um, when i was studying that particular subject there was just so an overwhelming amount of verses that i could find just in a period of time yeah i think i looked into it for half hour and loaded down to like three or four verses yeah yeah that's kind of what i did i actually have a lot more written down here but if i was to say all the verses i found that would take quite a while oh, come on just you already read. preached it you could do it again here <laughs> all right uh now we got faith next what is it and Now, oh, it's your turn to go first. Yeah, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not th of things not seen. Yeah. Uh, I thought I had the... I thought I had the dictionary definition... Oh, never mind. I have that for the next uh, question. I have the dictionary definition written down for it. But, uh... Yeah. So, faith is seeing... Well, is not... Uh, is believing without seeing... Yeah. Now, you'll notice that if when you read the Bible, faith is a very important part, especially of Jesus' ministry, because you'll notice um, this is just a short. I only I didn't write down all the references. Obviously, I just wrote down a couple of references in Matthew alone, just the Gospel of Matthew, of different instances where faith actually ended up ended up like there was a person that was sick or they were injured. Or they were born with some deformity like blindness, not mm -hmm. a deformity, like blindness or lameness or something like that. And where Jesus healed them because of their faith. You see instances like that in Matthew 8, 10, 8, 26, 9, 2, 9, 22, 9, 29, and 15, 28. And that's not all of them by a long shot. Um, there's many more in all the Gospels. But you'll also notice in Matthew 17, 20, Jesus says, and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out by prayer, but by prayer and by and fasting. You see, it says that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can do essentially well, you can't technically you can't do it, but when you have faith in the God that can, and if you have enough faith in him, and it says the next verse that um it goeth not out by, by prayer and fasting. And so that's another instance where prayer is important. Because when you have prayer and faith combined, God says you can move mountains. Yeah. And also in Matthew 21, 21, the Bible says, Jesus answered unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. And so that's another instance where he talks about prayer, where he says that, if you pray with faith, and if, you're, if you couple your faith with prayer, you can tell a mountain to be cast into the sea, and it'll do it. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, when you pray to God, you're praying to the God that created that mountain. You're praying to the God that created everything. And when you pray to him, and you have faith in him that he can do it, then he can, and he will. Yeah. And that's not saying God is a genie. Mm -hmm. That's not saying that if you believe God will do something for you, he'll do it every time, because, you know, that's just what God does. Um you see, when you pray and ask God to do something, 
you're not like it's not like wishing on a genie you're not saying uh make this tree turn into money that's obviously not going to work unless it's i mean honestly unless it's god's will for your life Mm -hmm. because when you have true faith in god and you have a close relationship and walk with god then when you pray you will most likely be praying closer to god's will for your life than if you're living this horrible sinful life not ever reading your bible not ever praying and so when you pray that is essentially just bringing your requests and your fears and your desires before the almighty god who is ultimately the only person or the only the only one that can truly supply you with anything yeah uh i have uh illustration here that i found uh faith is like seeing someone walk across say there's like a tightrope across niagara falls or whatever seeing someone walk across with like a wheelbarrow back and forth and he does it many times but then he asks you to get in it and you might have faith that he could do it but biblical faith is actually getting in the wheelbarrow and having him push you across yeah Yeah, because yeah, because it's really easy. It's really easy to say you have faith in God, and to say that you'll have faith that God will do can do anything, and you have faith that even in bad situations you'll just pray and have faith that God can get you out of it. But it is an entirely different thing to do it, mm-hmm. because true faith isn't just saying you have faith. True faith is acting on that faith. Yeah, I found in Romans, four, verse four, or chapter four. Verse 16, it says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And so, basically, it's saying that faith is very important. And faith is an extremely important trait that Christians need to need to have. But it's not something that's just going to, like, poof, it's there. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to do you have to work for it you have to want it you have to desire to have faith yeah if you don't desire to have faith you won't and that is all i had for that subject uh i had a thing that led would lead into the subcategory for this subject oh grace yeah yeah uh ephesians 2 8 for by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of god i had that one written down too so now we're on to what is grace. Yes. And I'll let you lead off. I just let off the last one, didn't I? Oh, I guess. <laughs> I actually right. don't know. God's uh, Grace is God's gift. It is not deserved nor earned, but it is given to you through your faith. Yeah. That is a, a biblical description of it. Uh, yeah. Isaiah... Thirty eighteen is what I had written down for the first verse. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy upon you, for the Lord is God of judgment, blessed are all the that wait for him. I don't know why I wrote that down. Uh, you, can, you can go. I'm sure it. you had some some deep, intelligent reasoning. Yeah, some that I don't even understand at this point. Yep, it's just too, it's too deep for our comprehension. Um, 
I had this verse written down, Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And the verse preceding it is, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace, because God is gracious and he gives us his grace. But just because we live in an era where God gives us grace and God will forgive us doesn't mean it's an excuse to sin. Uh, I think I had Romans 6.15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. And he, in Romans, he makes sure to tell us that in his word, God makes sure to tell us in his word that just because we have grace, just because you have forgiveness, it's not a license to sin. You can't just do whatever you want and ask for forgiveness later because God is gracious and just to forgive us our sins. Mm -hmm. And I also note found Romans 5, 2 says, by whom also we have acts. Okay, I'll read first one, too. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And you'll notice there, this is another verse that connects faith and grace together. It says that we have access by faith into this grace, because in order to, this is saying that to access this faith and this grace, we must do it. By faith. I also written down uh, Romans 5.20 um, that says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did abound much more. Because no matter what we do, no matter how much sin abounds in our lives, God is able and just to forgive us our sins. And it's he's saying that grace abounds more than sin, regardless of how much sin abounds. God will forgive you no matter, regardless of what you've done, because God does, does promise us his grace and he does give it to us freely. Yeah. Uh, I have Second Chronicles 30, not verse 9, written down. The second half of it, so the backstory to it is Hezekiah, I think it's Hezekiah, writing... Uh, <laughs> letter to Assyria, the Israelites in Assyria. And uh, the second half of verse 9 is, The Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away from his face from you if you return unto him. Yeah. If you sin, even if you sin, if you go back to God truly in your heart is uh, pure, pure per se, uh, God will forgive you through grace. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like Romans 5.20 says, I think it's 5.20, Romans 5.20, where it says that no matter how much sin abounds, grace abounds more. And yeah, if you sin, as if you come back to God, God will forgive you. Yeah. No matter how much sin you've committed, it's not so much that God won't forgive you. That is all I had for that subject. Ready for the last one and the biggest? Yep. Salvation. You can Yay. start us off. Okay, so so first, what I had written down was the first point I'd like to make about salvation is that everyone needs it. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Our God is a perfect God, and he cannot dwell with sin. And so sin cannot enter heaven unless it has been cleansed by Jesus Christ through salvation. 
And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the first thing I'd like to know about salvation is that um, everybody needs it. The second thing I found is that um, Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other, none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And so that verse is saying that there is no way to heaven but Jesus. Mm-hmm. Salvation is the only way to get to heaven. Um, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the only way to the Father. And also written down Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, which says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Mm-hmm. And we see here that not only is Jesus the only way to get saved, you can't save yourself. It's It's not of works. He's very clear when he says, Salvation, it is the gift of God, not of works. You cannot work your way into heaven. I'm only two little more verses written down here. And the first one is Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so that's another thing, um, that not only does everybody need salvation, everybody can receive salvation. Yeah. It's, it's for whosoever. It doesn't say that whosoever that does this or whosoever that is six feet four inches tall it says whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved regardless of uh, anything race gender regardless of anything whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved the last verse i had written down was first peter 3 18 for christ also hath once suffered for sins the just for the unjust that he might bring us to god being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. And so we see there that we there's no name under heaven that we can receive salvation except Jesus. Jesus is the only way to salvation, and that we can't work our way into heaven. Mm-hmm. You see that in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, and in Romans 10 through 13, we see that no matter what, anyone can be saved. And then this last verse, 1 Peter 3, 18, teaches that Jesus Christ was willing to suffer for our sins, this is the just for the unjust. Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, was willing to die for us, the wicked sinners. And he was willing to do that so that we might be saved. He did that. Jesus died on the cross for us to die so that in Romans 10, 13, the Bible could say, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If Jesus hadn't died and if he hadn't rose again, there would be no way into heaven. Mm-hmm. For no man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what Jesus said. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus' death is essentially everything. Without Jesus' death, there would be no salvation. And so when it, when you talk about salvation, you really can't, you know, you can't not talk about the Jesus' death because that is the basis for salvation. I uh, had this split up into three categories. And so first uh, category I had is what what is salvation? The dictionary uh, definition is the preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin, or loss. The biblical, more uh, descriptive definition is deliverance from sin and its consequences. Because uh, it got, when you get salvation, you are delivered from your sins. Now, why do you need salvation? It's the same category. Romans 3.23, as you said earlier, for the uh, for all of him. Uh, sin to come short of the glory of God. I also have uh, Romans 6.23, which is the wages of sin is death, which if you are not saved, you will go to hell. Uh, 
uh, at the end of that. Then I have how to get saved. Um, Romans 5.1 Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm trying to remember where I was going with this. Then I also had uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he uh, begot his only Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God sent down his Son to die for our sins. So having uh, the faith through grace and believing in God and uh, repenting of your sins will lead you to salvation. Yeah. Had John ten ten. I have no idea what that is. I don't. I should really reread this before we start the podcast. Uh, I don't know why I have that written down. And then Romans ten nine. That if thou shalt con confess thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So, as I said earlier, believing in God, repenting of your sins, and uh, believing that Jesus did die and come back from the dead for your sins, you will be saved. Yeah. By grace to be saved through faith. And for that, John 10, 10, you didn't know you wrote that down. I'm guessing you wanted nine, which says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. That might be. And then verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, which is exactly what Jesus did. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. So Jesus is our shepherd. And it says, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, which is exactly what Jesus did. As the good shepherd, he was willing to give his life for us. Yeah. Is that, so that is the last subject, I believe, for yep. today's episode, correct? And I don't have anything else, and I guess Peter's not showing up, so. All right, so um, I guess if you're listening to this podcast today and you're listening to what we're saying about going to heaven and salvation and faith and grace and all this other stuff, but you don't know Jesus as your own personal Savior, I would urge you to get that settled today. I mean, we ran through, we went through a lot of verses in the Bible and we talked about it for quite a while about what salvation is and how you can receive it. And so we just, I would implore you to please think about what we have said and take it to heart and then just receive Jesus Christ as your savior today. Yeah. And, uh, there, there's no reason in waiting because you are not guaranteed tomorrow because Jesus could come yeah. now or tonight or the next week. You don't yeah. know when he's coming back. I also, think it's second Thessalonians, maybe. Maybe Peter says, "Our life is as a vapor which appeareth for a little while and then fadeth away." Mm -hmm. We're not guaranteed the next day. We're not guaranteed anything longer than the next ten minutes. We're not guaranteed any time past today or past this very moment. And so, yeah, you need to make sure you make your decision. If you're going to get saved, you need to do it now. You don't. It's not wise to wait for solely the reason that you truly don't know 
if you have tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it would just be horrible for somebody to die on the precipice of accepting Christ as their savior, but they put it off for too long and they died and they had to spend an eternity in hell because they decided to wait. Also, if you have any questions about Christianity or anything that's related to uh, the Bible or anything, drop them down in the comments. We will do our best to answer them in the next podcast or whatever. Hoping to get a pastor on the next podcast for us to interview, but we'll we'll see. All right. You want to lead us in prayer, Sawyer? Might as well. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray to thank you for this day and to thank you for giving us the opportunity to do this podcast. I pray that you will be with the listeners, that they will um, just listen to what we've um, said and that they'll take every, all the verses you've given them from your word and they'll take them to heart and that if there are any listening right now that aren't saved that haven't that aren't your children that have not received salvation that you will just work in their hearts and that you will help them and guide them to receive salvation for all these things in jesus name amen amen we'll see you guys next month sometime goodbye